I was just thanking God. I was just overcome with thanking God for, for this body. Privilege it is to be the pastor of this church. relatively new here, one of the things that we are big on is a feeling of family. And I pray that you feel that. I pray that you experience that. It's not a front. It's real. Through the bond that we have in Jesus Christ, this is a family. We're going to be transitioning into the Word may be seated right now. It's great to have Dennis and Sue Anthony with us today. In a few moments, they're going to be sharing some things with you. There's something that was on my heart that if you give me a few minutes, I will share with you. So there's this thing and it's called TikTok. There's this other thing, and it's called Insta. And just by the very way I'll describe it, you'll know that I'm old. <laughs> so on TikTok and Insta, there are these things that are called reels or stories. And what that would be, it would be this short video, short video clip, and usually there's music to go along with it, some catchy tune. And there's one that I hear often, and it's, can we skip to the good part? Can we skip to the good part? And they go, wah, 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 wah. Like, it's in your head, right? It's, it's there. And so today I want to talk about the good part. Before I do that, though, uh, I was noticing during worship time that there's some stuff on the stage. Just bear with me a second. need to be done. I'm going to read you a scripture. We'll get into this. It comes out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I'll be reading the New King James. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Oh, this is a passage that's been spoken on countless times in so many churches. But you imagine this woman, this Martha, the sister of Lazarus. And if you could describe her, she would be intense. She would be someone who's not half-hearted. She would be driven. She'd be dedicated to a task. She had the gift of hustle. I can imagine the checklist now, knowing that Jesus is going to come over all of the things that needed to be done to make that visit perfect. You think about that, all the prep that she was doing, going to the market that day, making sure everything was cleaned and dusted, making sure everything was in place, that it was picture perfect for when Jesus came over. But here's the deal. There came a point in that day when Jesus arrived, and Martha kept doing what she was doing. totally random thing, and I just got to say that there's a skunk that is going to be going to our Lord and Savior. I mean, that thing's about to take me out. 
I just took a deep breath, and I'm like, yep, still smell it. Somewhere along the way, Martha lost the why. Something that we're big on here at this church is the why. When something needs to be done, what is the why behind it? Let's look at it. Let's dig into that. Let's make sure that the why is the best why that it can be, that, that we check all the boxes. Martha needed to understand in that moment that when Jesus comes around, when Jesus visits, Jesus was not going to get put on a white glove and check the top of the cabinets. Jesus was not going to go and make sure that the spice rack was arranged alphabetically. You ever get weird when people are coming over and you're cleaning the weirdest things? They're not going to check your sock drawer. Not going to do it. That's not what Jesus is going to do. So here is Martha. Okay, and in this moment, she's getting genuinely frustrated. Can't you see it? So much going on. Look at her watch. Oh, no, Jesus is coming. Jesus, who's going to stir the soup? Who's going to watch the garlic rolls and make sure they don't burn under the broiler? Who's going to fold the napkins like the swan? Because Jesus likes swans. Who's going to do that? And so you may be saying to me, so wait, this is like a sermon about not doing things, right? No. No. In a church family, I am a firm believer that either you are using your gifts or you are a consumer. Use the gifts. Use the gifts. What I'm saying is this. If the things that you are doing for Jesus Christ make you miss the very presence of Jesus, then something is off. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. See, we would think that Martha is the hardworking one and Mary was just their social butterfly. Jesus in the living room, and Mary got out the karaoke machine singing some hill song to Jesus. You know, we're Church of God, so she may be doing a human video or an interpretive dance for Jesus in there. You know, like Mary doesn't care about Jesus, what Jesus is going to eat. Like, she's just there to hang out. I'd like to believe that this house was not that big, and that Mary had probably done some things to help prepare. She didn't just have her feet kicked up. But Martha was intense, and she needed Mary just as intense as she was. Here's what Mary had going right then. When the moment came, Mary moved to be in Jesus' presence. We always call out for a move of God, and there are some things that God's saying, what are you going to move into? When God says, here I am, are you going to move toward that? So she moves toward him. She sits at his feet. Now, this is a savior who would understand being busy. See, here he is in this three-year portion, this ministry. He is on mission. And some of the greatest things that Jesus has done that we read about were these side missions. It wasn't even the main thing he was going for. But I can only imagine with Martha what set her off. You know, in common terms, was it the smoke alarm going off because the rolls burned? Like, what was the thing? She turns and she says, Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. That's bold. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I need you to tell someone to do what I want them to do. (laughs) That's something there, right? And so Jesus, in that gentle way, Martha, I hear you. And see, that's a thing that we need to understand in the church, that I've said before that there are times when I catch myself praying in old English. I'm not that guy. Like, governor. I don't do that. So when I catch myself trying to be all formal, that's not me being real with God. I need to talk to him. And so in this moment, I'm just imagining with Martha, Jesus being real with her. I hear what you're saying, but hear what I'm saying. I know that dinner is probably going to be great, but I came for relationship. I came for relationship. Focus on what matters in the moment. He came for relationship. He says, in this moment, one thing is needed. Mary, she went after that one thing, just one thing. 
Above all, do not miss relationship with Jesus Christ because it does not matter how gifted you are or what you may do. If it is outside of him or outside of his will, it is futile. And we may say, but God, I can do so many things. I'm a multitasker. I get her done for you, God. And she turns and says, say the word, Lord. And when you get into the Greek, when you start doing word studies, when you get into the Strong's and you're looking this stuff up, that Greek word, logos, Jesus, just say the word. Say the logos. I'm sure some of you read that. You probably thought that was the Greek yogurt you buy at Giant Eagle, but that is the Greek word, logos. But here's what's wild. When Jesus Christ speaks, it is not a bunch of words. It is the word. Okay, and so when Jesus opens his mouth in a moment to speak, it's not going to be to carry out Martha's will. When his word goes forth, it's to accomplish his will. And so anytime he speaks, that's what it's going to do. And so God's whispering this morning to all the Marthas in the house, don't miss the one thing. Don't miss the one thing. When Jesus does this, he doesn't do it in a condemning way. The Bible does not say, and he turned red in the face, and he spoke down to Martha. He says it in a teachable moment, loving way, and he says, Mary chose the good part. Martha, choose the good part. My heart for Jesus, your heart for Jesus can look one of two ways. I can either look like Mary or I can look like Martha. That's how it is. I can either be so caught up. There are weeks that I can get so caught up in doing the things that it takes to keep a church running that when an actual ministry thing comes up unannounced, I can be annoyed by it. What? Meat for lunch? What do you mean? There's a skunk to take care of, right? Like that's how I get That's how I get. I can become that Martha. But the truth is, my way will never be enough. On my own, without Jesus Christ, there is no kingdom that I can build. Oh, what you do for him, do with excellence. Do with excellence. That is a Barbara Henderson thing that was poured into me. If you're going to do it, do it with excellence. And as much as my productivity for him speaks testimony, so does my ability to sit at his feet. Not when you're burned out, but when you know that you know this is the one thing, this is the moment. See, I'm all for sweat equity when it comes to the church. I'm also about soaking in the presence of Jesus because he came for relationship. He came to build relationship. Here's what's wild is that Greek word up there, it's closely related to another word. So logos is related to this word, lego. Don't put that up. Oh, you can. (laughs) Now, if you look at the original Greek, it does translate to interlocking plastic bricks, which will be made in Billund, Denmark. No, it doesn't. It actually has about the same meaning as logos. But here's what I love about Jesus. Seeing that I am a man child, he knows that when I see the word Lego, that this is what I'm going to think. Every time, 10 times out of 10, I'm going to think those things. There may be seasons that you go through that it may feel like you are just getting a tiny piece, a tiny brick of love, of peace, of joy. You may be crying out and you may feel like you only get this little piece. But I would tell you to begin to put those together with the testimony that you stand on. Put it together with the salvation that you know that you know where your God has brought you from. Put it together with the fact that you have relationship, that you are an overcomer. That whatever you may face, you know who you are with. You know who your father is. Those seasons are always opportunities to grow. 
So that same Jesus that tells me that the fields are white unto harvest in John 4.35 is the same Jesus who speaks to me in this scripture in John 10.42 telling me not to miss the one thing. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the encounter. See, biblically speaking, Jesus did not live at that house. So if Jesus was in that living room, he was there for a visit. We know he would return there. But understand that there are going to be times when the presence of God is so thick and it is up to you to stop everything and say, I'm going to take a minute with my Jesus. I'm going to take a minute with my Jesus because this time is valuable. I want an encounter. As a church, last month, we made an impact when it came to Ecuador. Here's what we did. We took up an offering. Some of you made faith commitments. Some people that were online gave. And we were purchasing water treatment systems, portable ones, for families. Let me be clear in saying that as a church, we are not merely on a humanitarian make-me-feel-good mission. That very evening, and little did I know when I went to camp meeting, that missionary was there. And when that missionary was there, I got to speak with him. I got to meet with him. He gave me coffee. (laughs) He explained to me that the way that it worked was this. It wasn't just about putting water treatment systems in home. He was working with people in a seminary. And these people would come to seminary and they would say, I feel a calling to the ministry. And he would say to them, are you involved at your church? And they would say, yes. I clean the bathrooms once a week. And he thought, that's awesome, but how do you connect people who are called to the ministry they're called to? And so here's how it works. He takes these water treatment systems into people's homes, and then he takes these seminary students, and they are the ones who go back on a weekly or every two-week basis to check these systems to make sure they're working well, and to build relationship, and to tell them about Jesus Christ, and to pray with them, and to be there as the family grows. And so if they're faithful with a couple of families, they get more and they get more. It's the most organic mission that you can think of. And so I got to talk to him and my heart was leaping. Last week I was on the phone with Carson, who's our district pastor. And we were talking about the very strong potential of a summer 23 mission trip to Ecuador. See, Christian life didn't miss that moment. We didn't miss that moment It was about relationship and building relationship. And it may never be in a church down there, but it may be in their homes. And that's where revival starts. That's where the church grew. That's where the church got its roots. When they enter those homes, Jesus Christ will go with them. When they sit in relationship, they will sit there and Jesus will be in the very midst. Steve Furtick said something in a sermon that I was listening to. He said, the position that you're in will have an impact on the decisions that you make. In the account of Mary, Martha, and Jesus, relationship took place, but it was about three things. It was about respect, it was about responsibility, and it was about relationship. Today, Dennis and Sue are here. He's one of those people that I just feel like I know. He's sad. He's watching me probably eat three dozen eggs. But there's people that you meet in your heart. Like, you just feel like, I know you. Like, you're my tribe. I know you. And the ministry, Friends of Recovery, there's a Tikva home for men. There's an Aruka home for women. Shalom that's going to be for women and children. What's wild is those three things I just mentioned, respect, responsibility, and relationship, those are three core values that guide friends of recovery. But at the center of all those things when you look is the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, the transforming power of the cross. That it's not just about we look at people as broken things, but we look at them called by Jesus' name and we help to guide, to equip, to put them in a position where their decisions will be better because of the love that has been poured into them. 
When it comes to a women and children's home, if you look at the statistics, women who are addicted often do not want to seek out treatment because their maternal instinct says stay with your children, even though it's a dysfunctional situation. So many may never go to seek help. But if you have a home where women and children can be together, then women would be more likely to seek that help. That is statistically true. I say that because this is a good field to sow seed. I say that because a healthy church is going to make an impact on community and the community that they're in. Oh, do I want to rock the world in South America? Yes, I do for Jesus Christ. But I also want to rock the world in our backyard. There was something in talking to my wife that she would say, and I knew it, just didn't know how to put it into words. But she would say, I feel like God is just saying, get ready. Get ready. I'd say, for what? I don't know, but it's going to be God big. See, we're being led into a season where we have been preparing all the prayer, all the relationship, all that sweat equity that we've poured into things. And so I say, don't miss the moment, church. Don't miss the one thing. In the moment when they come up and they talk to you, I want to say this. Here's what I don't want. I do not want to do a mission offering for mission number XYZ-42. I want to build relationship. I'll be as bold as to tell you what I told Dennis. I want to be able to partner with people so that they can sit down and the ones that are called, the ones who are faithful, the ones that are in the trenches, there's God dreams in them. And when you get in ministry, sometimes you can become about the day-to-day and the keep it going. And, hey, I do that. But see, the God dreams are still there. And if I serve the same God of Joseph the dreamer, the same God who doesn't let things just fall and not happen, then I want to be able to be with people and come alongside them and say, where are those God dreams? What's God whispering? What is crazy talk? Because that's what faith says. And so, as a church, I don't want to take up an offering today. Like, what? (laughs) I want to pray over this month, what would God have us do? I want to bring it up every week. I want you to get to know them. See, many of us have known them when we've been working there. It's a place to use giftings. I walked in a room and looked at a beautiful coffee table made by none other than Cheryl Bowman using her gifts for Jesus. No, for real. It, awesome. Because God gave her giftings and God has shown her a place that she can use those giftings for him and it goes to bless people because when they walk in, it's not this sterile environment. No, it's a home. It's a home. And I would say for all of us, God throughout this month is going to begin to reveal, use your giftings, use your giftings, volunteer to do the things that are within you, be willing to do what I'm asking you to do. And so I'm going to ask each one before they come, I want you this month to be praying. At the end of the month, we are looking for a serve opportunity, which we will announce the date. There is an annual firewood sale that takes place in October. And when we went, we made a huge dent in those piles of wood. That, I'm telling you what, that was hard work. That was hard work. And so I can stand here and I can proclaim that God can break chains of addiction. Right? I can also say that as a church, we can get behind the practical aspects of ministries that are right there in the trenches. After Dennis and Sue speak, I want to pray over them. 
I want to pray over that ministry. I want to speak blessing. I want to speak refreshing. I want to speak that God whispers would be above any noise and that they are able in joy to watch this thing go to new places. So, Dennis and Sue, if you would come up. First of all, thank you, everyone. Um, I just think back many months ago when Pastor Bob reached out to me and said, hey, let's get together and have eggs, which we did. <laughs> and I had no idea why he was asking to meet. I had no idea. So I went there. Uh, we sat down. We started talking, and he said, I don't know what God's doing, but I want us to do something together. So more than eat. And so <clears throat> we went ahead, and he challenged us as a ministry, Friends of Recovery. He said, I want you guys to pray about what God's going to do, which we didn't know. And he said that they would be praying. So we did that. We left. We got back together again, and we have been praying, and I know you guys have been praying. Uh, we are excited because what we do, I'm going to spend a few minutes, and we're going to spend a few minutes and just share some of the things that's happening uh, literally right down the road with many of you in this room. Um, and what the energy that we feel here uh, is so encouraging um, because what we do, we cannot do without partnerships and without you. And all of you help us help others. Um, so we're going to, this is the first time that we're actually going to speak together and we're going to share the microphone. We're going to see how this goes. So, <laughs> so but truly, thank you for, for listening. Um, and the first slide, uh, normally, oh, okay. I, I have a confession. <laughs> Most of my life, I've been a Martha. But in my older years, I'm becoming a Mary. And in February, I heard that small whisper from God to leave my professional career and join him full time. And so I'm, I'm striving to be a Mary. It's been a month, one month. <laughs> I retired June 1st. So... So let's, let's, let's go to the things I want to show you, because there's a lot here. Um, that, that's this slide. This is, this is our ministry slide. This is our logo. This is, but there's so much. We can do a half-hour presentation just on how that logo came to be. Um, and I'm going to do it in, like, two minutes. I, uh, when we first started the ministry, I had no idea what it looked like. Uh, I had a vision, and so I went to a secular publishing company, and I met with a team of people that uh, were not churchgoers, and I got, for about two hours, I got to share the vision of the ministry. There was an, a graphic artist. There was all these people in the room, and it was pretty neat to do this, and I had no idea what they were going to come up with. So they came up with that logo, and I'm just going to just say a few things about it. What we do is recovery ministry, post-treatment recovery ministry. Christ-centered recovery ministry. You'll see that. So anyway, that house, and we do, as Pastor Bob said, we teach how, people how to be in a family, how to operate in a healthy family. So that, that house, you see a step. The residents have to, they have to do the work. They have to step up onto the porch, so to speak. They have to do the work. There's not gravity fed. This is not just start heading in the direction and gravity will take you. And there's no, no doorknob on the door. Recovery's on the other side. They've got, to, they've got to do the work. God's waiting for them on the other side. There's no doorknob for God to be opening the door. The other thing is green pastures. That was to symbolize it is much better than the life you've led. The coolest thing about, the, I think, the whole thing is I kept telling them it was Christ-centered. And I even said, God's in the middle of it, which... 
They were not churched people. They told me they had no idea how to put God in our logo. So you can see the rays coming down. They said those are God's hands reaching down, which was really cool. So, so that's our logo. We can go on to the next, the next slide. Okay, I have to, this will be the only downer part of what we're going to talk about, okay? These are the statistics. These are current. So I'm going to turn around because I can't read that that far. We're not going to go over all of them. Exit. Oh, overdose is the leading cause of death, okay? That's, that's one thing. Fatal overdoses. This was interesting to me. 2018, we saw a decline. 2019, we saw a super sharp incline. And then 2020, which I don't know about all of you, but they've tabbed it the pandemic year, 2020. It absolutely devastated the recovery community. It was everything that was the worst case scenario for people trying to stay in recovery. Stay home, stay away from people, and try to attend meetings online by yourself. Terrible. So what I thought was interesting was, and the data is still coming in, so this is for 2020. It, it was the deadliest year on record. 70% of those deaths were fentanyl-related. This is interesting to me. Alcohol sales. Anybody surprised? Almost 50% increase in 2020. Uh, annual deaths, just so we all know, we're number four, which is pretty scary since our state's not that big. Um, 40 plus states report an increase in opiate deaths. This, the, the, last, the last three I want you to focus on. Over 21 million identified as needing substance use treatment. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. Less than 25% received it. <clears throat> so this is where we come in. We are post-treatment, post-treatment ministry. Relapse. Highest relapse rate is the first three years. Pretty staggering. 50 to almost everybody relapses the first 12 months. It's pretty scary. What we do is our ministries focus on the first three years out of treatment. We come alongside those residents, you included, with a community of people that walk alongside them as they grow in their recovery. When they stumble, which everyone stumbles, we're there to help them back up, and they are required to help others up. So on to the next slide. I don't want to spend a lot of time, I know, but that's... And, and honestly, one day when that all turns around and there's no longer a need for recovery homes in Northeast Ohio, we will do something with the houses for some type of ministry and we will retire, which is never going to happen. <laughs> okay, so, let, so let's, let's talk about this. We're a Christ-centered Christ -centered ministry. We provide Christ-centered recovery homes for those that have chosen a life in recovery. That's the key, chosen, a life in recovery. Uh, 2016, it was established, and this I got to share. We're a two fish, five loaves ministry. We have been from day one. We have never had enough to do what's needed. So what do we do? Exactly what they did in biblical times. We come to God and say, God, this is all we have. We don't have enough. And he again and again and again multiplies it. For instance, I have a prime, a prime example to share with you. We currently have three times the applications. We could do three more men's recovery homes right now. We have to tell people no, uh, which breaks my heart. So God, oh, I don't know, a year ago, um, put it on my heart. Our next men's recovery home is going to be called Hesed, which is God's loving kindness undeserved loving kindness. So that's going to be our next men's home. Do we have the money for another men's home? Nope. Do we have the money to finish Shalom, as you're going to see? And it was, I was reminded last night, we have enough money to finish the home or we have enough money to buy another house. We don't have enough money to do both. So we all said, full steam ahead. <clears throat> so house came available, two doors down from our men's home. 
quite a history. Perfect condition for what we want. Completely devastated. <laughs> so we are attempting to purchase that home. So um, we have a women's ministry and a men's ministry, which my wife and I are going to speak to. What we do is we provide a safe and loving environment, as it says up there, so that people can learn how to live life without drugs and alcohol. Honestly, kicking the drugs and alcohol in the big scheme of things is the easy part. It's what do you do now? Life squeezes you, everyone, and we are creatures of habit. We will go back to what helped us get through, which it really didn't help, but it's the only thing that we knew. So we provide an alternative. We are a nonprofit. This just happened, and I had to put it in here. We, we interview everyone that comes in. Multiple interviews, it's a process. It's not a, we have an empty bed. We don't deal in beds. As Pastor Bob said, we deal in relationships. It's not about filling beds. We go a long time with just one person in the house or two people, and the other thing is, we don't take any government funding, nothing. So it doesn't matter. A lot of places operate with government funding. You, you fill the beds, you get money. Or, or insurance. We don't do anything with insurance. Private donations is how we operate. So we recently in an interview, one, a former resident said this. And he was talking to somebody that applied to the house. And the person was a little anxious because there's a lot of things that you know, we were talking about, like, you're going to go to meetings, you're going to go to church, and you're going to share about what you learned in church, all these things. And the person was sitting there going, wow, wow, wow. And the, and the resident, former resident said, it's pretty simple. There's only one thing you really need to change. That's everything. But God's there to help you. And that's the key. You know, we sang about giants. In our, in our ministry prayer meeting, we meet uh, twice a month. We talked about giants last night. Those that um, come out of treatment, that want recovery, giants, everything, everything in that light, their life is a giant. Everything. And we teach them, don't turn and retreat like most of the Israelites did. It's let's surround them, move forward. <clears throat> so on to the next slide. Okay, I keep this in here because it's super important. When we first got Aruka, um, which is healing and restoration in Hebrew, there had been a fire. The house had been vacant. Uh, long story, I don't have time to share all that, but it was vacant. There had been a fire. So what we do is we take people into the homes that their lives have been devastated. And the reason why I have this slide in there, we never look at somebody and say, oof, no, you're too far gone. You've done too much. You did those things that, whew, wow, are bad. So we're going to bulldoze you because that's what they wanted to do with our Women's with Children's Home was bulldoze it. So this slide is to represent burned out and broken. That's how people, when they come to us, that's how they, they're hopeless. We sang about hope and healing. We share there is hope. The other slide is, that's progress and restoration. That's what happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus, which we share them. We share with them how to do that. Progress. We're not about perfection. It's about progress. Recovery is making progress. So, so that's why I kept that in there. So that's the house. That's the, the ladies. That's the women's home. That's their dining room. So on to the next slide. It looks a lot better than that now. So, uh, okay. Do you want to? Sure. So this is Aruka. This is our second home, and this is for women. It's in Willoughby. And as you'll see in the next slide, the women for children's home, Shalom, is right next door. Um, Aruka took over 4,000 hours of volunteer help to get it back into a home, and it's beautiful. And some of you in here helped. You were part of that 4,050 hours. Right. In fact, when CLC first did their, their, their very first serve day and Cheryl came, and we joke because she came that day and she never left. <laughs> 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 she, 
she's there every Tuesday night when we have our women's um, support group meeting, and she's, she's always there helping, and she's made things for the house that are beautiful using her skills. And you can see one of the bedrooms, um, and it's covered by a beautiful quilt that um, a couple groups in the area, women that like to quilt, have made quilts for the homes, for the men and the women. And so when they come to the home, once they've been um, accepted through the application process, and we, we welcome them into the home and adopt them into their family, our family, and we present them with a basket of hope. And, and it is a laundry basket with all the essentials to start out, you know, pillow sheets. They get to pick a quilt or a comforter and all the toiletries and everything you need. And that's, um, that's a great way for churches to get involved. We've had many churches create baskets of hope, which are beautiful. Um, this is where the women's support group meeting is held every Tuesday night. And he'll share a little about the men's. And this we do for the community, not just for people in recovery. We're all in recovery. So not just from substance abuse, although the residents do have to attend. And we start with a meal, a free meal at 6 o'clock. And then after that, we go into a meeting. And you'll see in one of the slides, we always do a topic, a little challenge. We take turns. But then sometimes it incorporates some fun, like you'll see in one of the slides coming up. And I'll share that again. Oh, okay. Go next slide. The next one. Okay, this is Shalom. Uh, peace and wholeness in Hebrew. Uh, this was a uh, right next door, as, as Sue said, right next door to Aruka. Shalom was a, um, for many years, almost 30 years, it was a drug manufacturing and distribution home. A lot of bad things happened in this house. Uh, it was when we first got it. I have to tell you a funny story. When we first got this house, it was very oppressive. When you went in there, it was painted um, dark. I had a lot of uh, paintings that were uh, satanic. Uh, we found a lot of satanic materials, uh, Satan worshiping, all kinds of just absolutely crazy things. So we, I especially, did not like to go in the home alone at first. It made me feel very, gives me chills to talk about it right now. Very, it was very oppressive. So my wife had said, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to get spray paint, and I'm going to spray paint Bible verses and crosses all over the house. I said, okay, honey, everything's coming out. Go ahead. So she goes home, and she gets bright fluorescent, my bright fluorescent orange spray paint, or pink, sorry. She comes back to the house, and she shakes up the can, and she starts to write Psalm uh, 37.5. And so she starts to write it while the paint won't come out of the can. So it's sputtering, and it's... So she gets all frustrated. I come over there, and she is not happy. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she's like, I can't get this. And here, it's marking paint, which you have to... The can has to be pointed towards the ground. So I said, honey, that's not going to work. So she went home and got black paint and came back and painted, which was great. So it was one last attempt for Satan to try to... Um, maintain that house. So, Shalom Home. Um, this is just this, this past week, I took this picture. I try to keep them current. Um, <clears throat> we hope to be open by the end of this year. Um, we're ta we take people from all over the United States, not just county-based, none of that. Uh, we take them from all over. Um, so, uh, as you can see, uh, it's hard to see, but the front windows are boarded up. Um, Kevin is working on that. He's here with us. Uh, but we will soon have all the windows in. And so we do work parties. That's how things get done with us. We have volunteers that, as Pastor Bob said, that are gifted. Um, plumbers, electricians, uh, late, just general laborers, those that want to work with missionary teams that come see us. Um, people that like to be around people. We will teach you how to hang drywall. We will teach you how to put a floor down. We will, so that you can take it and go. So that's how, that is the only way we could do what we do. So, or push a broom, that too. Okay, so the next slide. Okay. Oh, okay. So here's a, a slide of the sisterhood. We call ourselves the sisterhood because we consider each other sisters. Um, this group is for anybody. 
anybody that needs support. Do you, do you struggle with food? Do you struggle with relationships? Maybe you were divorced. Do you have a child that's an addict? Do you have, um, you know, are you going, you know, through some addiction? We, we are for anybody. And we come together and support one another. And, and our verse is Galatians 6, 2, that says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And in this ministry, we believe that a burden shared is a burden cut in half. And so we have to speak our hurts in order to be healed. And so that's what we do. And we just love one another, and we learn. And in this particular um, picture, it was, it was just two weeks ago, and, and one of the ladies that's here, she shared about um, Jesus being our rock and, you know, shared a lot of scripture and stories. And then we painted rocks, and it was fun. And you can see that the ladies were having a lot of fun. The one on the other side is during COVID. We had to still meet. It was important. Um, people in recovery cannot be isolated. So we met out on the lawn, and we spread out our chairs, and, and we kept going. We have a saying in the ministry, and it's on the bottom of the slide, have hope, share hope. We in this room, we just sang about hope. We have that hope. We. We want to share that hope. That's what this ministry is all about. So on to the next slide. Okay, the men's ministry. This is Tikva Home for Men. Tikva is hope in Hebrew. Uh, this opened in 2000. We got the house in 16. We opened in 17. Um, that's a, a typical uh, men's room. Um, not all of them have fireplaces. It's not that fancy. Um, it, yeah, it doesn't work anyway. 1890, um, 1890 that, that home was built. Uh, example how God has worked in this ministry from the beginning. Uh, this is a 5,000-square-foot home. Uh, it's located, if you know where Willoughby Bible Church is, lo located next door to Willoughby Bible Church. We have never had enough money to buy homes when we first started. We did not have any money. So uh, God orchestrated a meeting between the pastor and I. I shared what I was doing. He said I was boohooing because we weren't able to locate a house and all this. Anyway, God had worked it all out to where the city was on them. That house looked like a haunted house. It was very run down, overgrown. And he said, you mentioned in your presentation that you wanted to do ministry. Well, the city's on us to either fix this house up or they're going to start the demolition process. And he said, maybe we could do something. So long story short, our, our board and their elder board got together, and it was a train wreck. Uh, we, were, we were this way. They were that way. It was not going anywhere. But thankfully, the pastor and I, who's a former missionary, said, you know what, we need to, you and I need to sit down. So we sat down, and we were able to uh, have God bring it back together. We ended up getting the house, and we have the house for a dollar a month for a 10-year lease. <clears throat> so we entered that project with 50000 maybe. It was about 50000 in the bank. We thought, full steam ahead, here's a house. At the end of the day, at, at the end of seven months of renovations, 125000 went in the house, and we still had 40000 left in the bank. Yeah. Well, no, that was for the... So, which, anyway, God is awesome. You put him in the center of what you're doing, and you better hang on. That's what we've learned in this ministry. So... So take phone for men. And in our houses, we didn't say that. Only four residents live in our houses. House manager, three residents. Everybody's in recovery. So on to the next slide. It, yeah, that's a city requirement, not ours. Okay, journeyman. Journeyman is our life recovery support group for men. Um, and this picture is, uh, I put in here purposely. That top picture left was uh, the first week of June which this church provided meals for our group, which were very yummy. As they said, the girls were not happy, but we had awesome meals for a whole month. That was the first meal. And that was just, a, we have about 30 guys that come, and that was just the beginning of the meeting. I wanted to get a picture so that we could send it back to you guys uh, in, a, in a card, which we did. So thank you, for because meals are important. 
um, especially with the men. We like to eat. And a lot of, a lot of great things happen around food. And, I'm, and I, it's silly, but it's true. Um, and what we eat and what the girls eat are not the same things. So we don't like the little sandwiches and the, that kind of stuff and the soup. That doesn't go over big with us. So anyway, so thank you for, for providing the meals. And like my wife said, it's, it's a community-based meal, community-based meeting. We invite anyone and everyone. We have people that come from prison that are, get a one-way bus ticket to Willoughby because that's where they're from. They get off the bus, they got nothing. They've got the clothes on their body. They ring the doorbell. We invite them in, we feed them, and then guys go up. We have some clothes and things for when residents move in. If they need a pair of jeans or a shirt, we have stuff there that's been donated. And we give them personal hygiene products, a duffel bag, uh, stuff. We don't ever see them again, unfortunately, but we love on them for the time we have them. So... Um, the other, the other picture is actually in the men's home. Uh, the houses are designed with a great big open floor plan. Um, so the center is at, of that is where the meeting takes place. Um, so I believe the next slide is it. Okay. So what I, what I wanted to say was, um, to, to wrap up, <clears throat> hope, healing, and restoration that's when we started this ministry. That's what we said we were going to provide. We weren't going to do it. We were going to introduce them to a relationship with Jesus. And he continually, continually does it. And he amazes us. And when we get together and I try to get on paper and send out as often as I can the blessings and how God is changing lives. Because that's where sharing the hope, that's... That's how we, as believers, share, that, that's how we share with others. Share your story. Share what God's doing in your life. Um, and so res, our residents, when they come in, we have a church requirement. They are to attend church. It's mandatory. They select what church it is. We do coaching in the house. We don't do counseling. We do coaching. One of the things we ask them is, have you ever been to church? And sometimes they say, long time ago, never. Uh, and then we coach them and say, well, there's a church next door. There's a church down the road. There's, or this resident goes to this church. That resident goes to that one. And what we've seen over and over and over is they, they go to one church, then they go to another, and then they really um, find a family that they're able to settle in. Then not only do they have church attendance, but then they share. They come back once a week at our house meeting, and they share what they learned, or they share what challenged them. And we have, as you can imagine, we have heard some pretty interesting things. Somebody goes to a church who's never been to church, and we hear about props. We hear about fancy costumes. We hear about all that kind of stuff because they don't know. And it, we then have an opportunity to share with them and talk to them and talk through it and help them understand. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I, used, I used to be a counselor, mental health and drug and alcohol. And what's interesting about that is, and I worked at a secular agency. When I was hired, they told me, leave your, church, leave your Bible and your religion in your car. I said, okay, because I, I needed a job. And so... Every, and it was not very long, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a driven person, so I got into the agency, and right away I said, I want to be in charge. I want to lead the department. And so I fought, and I fought, and I fought, and I got that. Every client that I sat with, <clears throat> every single one of them, there was always one portion that they needed, and it was Jesus, but I couldn't share it with them. So early on, God and I began to wrestle, and I didn't stay long at the agency because my calling was out of that to do Friends of Recovery. So early on, I, as I wrestled with God, I took Bibles, but they stayed in my car. Then when I knew where I was headed, I brought the Bibles in, I set them on my desk, everybody got a Bible. Well, 
And I said, if I'm going to get fired over it, so be it. But I learned early on, as Pastor Bob said, a relationship with Jesus Christ is the key. Whether you are in substance addiction recovery or you are struggling in life. Because as I've said from the very beginning, I can teach you tools to stay sober. But it's you doing that work. You are the one that got yourself in the trouble you got yourself in. So, yes, you can memorize things. Yes, you can do these steps. Yes, until life squeezes you. And then you're left to yourself. So I, t I, told, I tell everybody a relationship or staying, doing the steps and staying sober is about this important in your life long term. A relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot spread your arms far enough apart as far as the importance. Because no matter where you go, whether it's Timbuktu and you're by yourself living in a little cabin, if it's just you, as far as substance addiction recovery goes, you're going to eventually be squeezed to where you go back. A relationship with Jesus, he's right there. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, he never leaves you. Learning the steps and memorizing that stuff are important, but a relationship is where it's at. So thank you. <clears throat> so there you are. Hope it's on your radar. One thing that I will say before we end this with prayer, as I said, I would like to pray for Anthony's, I'd like the prayer elders to come forward because I would like you to, to be key in that. So prayer elders, if you would. One thing I'm going to say is this, and I believe it to my core. If God has gifted you to do something, there is no greater offering you can give than using that gifting in a place that needs it. I'm going to ask that for the next few weeks, you be praying. We're going to keep it before you. You're going to see it on Facebook. You're going to get reminders. And at the end of the month, when we take up an offering, do what God would have you do. What's funny is, as a church, people always say, the church is always after money. Rarely will you hear me stand up here and ask you to be nothing but faithful to God in what you're to give him. When it comes to mission opportunities, though, I will be bold and I will say that this is good soil. I would urge you to plant. And so, if you will come forward, we're just going to pray over them to end this out. Church, if you stand. You know, and often when we pray over people, you'll be right in front of them and you'll pray, but I think it's important for us that we have their back. Because God's doing good things. And so, church, if you just pray right now, Father, we pray your richest blessings over the Anthony family, over friends of recovery, over every God dream, over everything that is going to take place. Father, I pray that just as you have directed steps, just as you have been the provider, that you will continue to do so. And Father, right now I say, that the enemy is silenced. I say right now that this is a season of blessing and I pray, God, that you would begin to blow their minds with the things that are coming forward. Father, I pray that you would send the craftsmen to this ministry just as you have sent the craftsmen to the ministries of this church. And Father, I pray that we would be good stewards with what you have entrusted us with. May we be a blessing to this family, 
to this ministry and to the people that right now that may not even know your name, but that your plan is directing them to a bed in that home. I speak life and life more abundantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. good stuff. The worship team is going to be playing. I urge you today to uh, just make the most of it. Like again, I'm just so blown away and I don't say that, but as I'm walking around here, like this is opportunity. This is a blessed life. And I urge you to make the most of it today. We love you as a family. Thank you for being with us today. Have a great day, everyone.